0: Okay, we're taking up 1 John today, chapter 4, and we're going to be putting in, in verse 12, going all the way down to 21. We're in this section about God is love. And as you're listening to this, I want to ask you maybe a question to think about as you're listening to this study Do you know you're doing the right thing? Do you know that you're right with God? When you look around, how do you know what you hear is what God wants you to hear? Are you staying in the word of God? And are you putting it into practice? I mean, all of those questions are big questions, and I'm not asking you. I'm asking myself these things, too. And as I study this section, this God is love section, which started around verse 7, but really all of 1 John is talking about God's love and Christ being the light of the world, the life, the eternal life. And love itself giving us access to God's love. It's all about God's love. And uh, it's just the cornerstone of the law. And it's Jesus comes to give us God's love for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And as we said in verse 11... Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also ought to love one another. And we made the point last time that verse 11 is almost like the gospel message in three steps. Beloved, that means we're already loved. We didn't do anything to get God's love. He already loved us first. So that's like the first part of the gospel shows us how much loved we are. Beloved, if God so loved us... So how did he so love us? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So in other words, God so loved us that he gives us Christ to die as the propitiation for our sins. That's what it starts talking about in verse 10. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitution for our sins. So in other words, beloved, we are so loved by God. God so loved us. He didn't just love us without doing anything about it. He did something about it. He came to this world in the flesh. He was manifested to us in the flesh. We ought to love one another. And that's the third part. He first loved us. He died for us. And the third part of this is now we have to... We are commanded to love one another. Now, we don't have to, but for him to live in us and to dwell in us, we need to follow this command. We need to love one another. Okay, so that's like the whole gospel message in one sentence right there. One, two, three, step one, two, three. So now we come to verse 12. No one has ever seen God. Okay, now what does that mean? We just, saw, we, just, we just got through saying Jesus Christ was manifested to us in the flesh, and He comes to the world, you know? Don't we see God when we see Jesus Christ? Well, we see the closest thing that represents God, because God, this is uh, McGee's point this morning, even though we see Jesus Christ, we see Jesus Christ, we see God in the flesh. We still haven't seen God in His glory. If, if people saw God in his glory when they looked at Jesus Christ, they wouldn't have crucified him because he would have been too glorious to behold. Jesus was in the flesh, in the form of the flesh, but we still haven't seen God in his glory. And different people have seen manifestations of God's presence, but no one has ever seen God in his glory. In his glory, that is yet to be revealed. So, John is saying to us, no one has ever seen God. Then we say, if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. In other words, if we love one another as God loves us, even though we haven't seen God, we have his love in us, he abides in us, and we see the representation of his love. We become that perfection of his love because we are, we are letting his love dwell in us. Now we, come, we become the physical manifestation of his love, just like Christ was the physical manifestation of his love. But now we are the, the physical manifestation. Why? Because we have God's love in us and we are now... In the flesh, we're in the body of Christ. There's one body and one spirit and one God. So, if God is abiding in us, his love is abiding in us. Verse 13, so now John is going to break this down. So that we understand this statement. By this we know. Okay, so in other words, by this we have knowledge. We know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. This is how we know. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. How do we know that we have the Spirit? Because we confess that Jesus is the Son of God. If we trust in Jesus Christ, we get the spirit of god in us and the spirit of god abides in us and we abide in his love we let the word abide means to live in he lives in us and we live in him we live in his love in a spiritual context we have the holy spirit our spirit is with god Dwelling within this Holy Spirit. Our body is a part of His body. Our spirit is a part of His spirit. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, this is verse 15, God abides in him and he in God. So, in other words, that being said, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. We know the love God has for us, and we believe the love that God has for us. What is the love God has for us? Christ. Christ is the Son of God, and He is the love that God has for us, has given to us, is Christ. And then he says, God is love. Christ is the manifestation of God's love. Christ is love. And if we confess Jesus Christ died for us in his love for us, we have God. We have his love. To get God's love is to get Jesus Christ. You don't have God abiding in you without Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're a sinner. Jesus Christ laid down his life in love for you. The whole gospel message is love. Beloved. Remember verse 11. If God so loved us, we we ought to love one another. That's the whole thing. You are loved. God so loved you in Christ. Now we need to so love one another in Christ. And McGee makes the point that, well, we just don't have that ability to love like Christ. We do. By this, we know because he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's telling us, you have the ability to love one another as I've loved you. But I don't know. I don't feel lovey-dovey. I'm not that good a person. Yes, I know you're not. That's why you know that I'm abiding in you and you can abide in me because I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. He tells us this. And all you have to do to get it is to confess that Jesus is the Son of God and died for you and believe faith with faith in Him. That's how you know. And why does this occur? Because God is love. Whoever abides in these things, whoever abides in His love, who lives in His love, abides in God and God abides in Him. This is a very spiritual Description of a relationship, and he's describing the relationship that Jesus has with the Father and the Father has with the Son, the Son being Jesus Christ. They are one in the same, they are living. Jesus was manifested in the flesh, but he was a hundred percent God and a hundred percent man at the same time. He's the only person that could lay down his life and fully pay all the sins because he was fully man. He became sin, but he was also fully God to forgive the sin. Verse 17, by this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for, for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also we are in this world. Love perfected. He talks about love being perfected back in verse 12. If we love one another, his love is perfected. That's perfecting God's love. So then he says in verse 17 again, he circles back around. He says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence. So if God's love is abiding in you, you're then able to love one another, and that perfects God's love. That's what it's saying here. And he's describing it. He's He's almost like saying it forwards and backwards. Love perfected. Abiding in God, let God's love abide in you. And because God's love is in you, you have the ability to love one another as God so loved you. That perfects God's love. And because of this, he says we can be confident. We can know him. And that is so comforting. Because he's anointed us, he says, with the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, back in... Chapter 2, verse 20, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, the Holy Spirit, and you have all knowledge. That means knowledge of Christ, that Jesus is the Christ. You have knowledge of Him, and that knowledge gives you confidence. We know that He said to test the spirits in chapter 4, verse 1. Don't believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Whether or not you know the spirit of God is there. How do you know? He says, little child, chapter 4, verse 4, little, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he is who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He says, test the spirits. You'll find out if the Spirit of God is in somebody or in what they're saying. If you'll know because if, if they're calling on the name of Jesus Christ, because the Spirit of Him who is in you has already overcome the world, is greater than He who is in the world. Isn't that comforting? You have the tools to overcome the world, the Spirit of God has the tools. And if it's, if, if it's not calling on, on God's love, it's not from God. It's from the Antichrist. It's either the Holy Spirit of Christ or the unholy spirit of the world. And he's saying, if we love, if we love one another, if we love one another, our fellow man, our fellow brother, Jew or Gentile in this world, As God so loved us, God's love is perfected in us, and we have confidence. Why do we have confidence? Because we know Him who is in us has overcome the world. And it gives us that confidence in Christ. It gives us that confidence of Christ. We don't have fear because we have confidence. Him dwelling in us. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Now, it's been said that the beginning, beginning of all knowledge is fear of God, and we're not supposed to be scared of God like He's some, some monster. It's just the fear of our own sin and our own separation from God. But once we have knowledge, that's knowledge of Christ. And when we have knowledge of Christ, we know that Christ, when we, have, when we know him, we call on his name, we have the Holy Spirit abiding in us. We have God's love abiding in us. There's no fear now in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear not, I am with you. Remember when Jesus said that? Fear not. There's no fear in love. The only thing you should be scared of is if you don't have his love. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. In other words, if you're still scared, you haven't yet perfected your love because God's not fully living in you you haven't allowed God's love to be expressed in you it's one thing to say hey you know what I accept Jesus Christ but then you're too scared to do anything about it be perfected in God's love by putting God's love into practice That's what he says. All of this is summed up back there in that verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought, we also, we too, we also ought to love one another. That's putting it into practice. If we're not loving one another, that's because we're still scared to. Well, what's somebody going to think about me? Or, Or it's just too hard to do. It's too inconvenient. They don't deserve my love. They don't deserve God's love. Remember how the prophet Jonah he got saved, he got swallowed by the by the big fish, he gets spit back up, he finally Nineveh, the evil city, like God wanted him to, but he He told him the message. He you know, he followed through, but he didn't have love in his heart. It's like us too. I mean, oh Jesus, I accept you and then you go around telling people, Okay, I love you. Here's 50 bucks. Here's my contribution to the church. You can't just go through the motions. You have to have love in the heart. God judges you with your heart. It has to be brotherly love. It has to be sincere love. It has to be unconditional love. It has to be put into practice, even for somebody who doesn't deserve it. That's perfecting God's love in you. And if you're not perfecting God's love, you still have fear in your heart. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in loving someone. Because you're not worried about the ramifications. You're worried about loving as God loves. Does it hurt your pride? Of course it does. Pride is one of the... But stepping, uh, but one of the barriers to actually loving like God wants you to love. That's why God hates pride so much, because it it interferes with love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. Okay? Because that goes right back. This is verse 19. We love because he first loved us. That goes right back to verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to. We also ought to love one another. He says it a different way. We love because he first loved us. That's why we do it. He's commanded us to do it. The example is his example. And he's telling us if we love as he loved us, we're perfecting his love. And there's no fear. There's no pride in doing that. And if we can't love, we have pride or we have fear or something getting in the way. Verse 20, then he, then he explains it again. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. As if you didn't get the message. The, remember the rhetorical questions we ask at the beginning? Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing what God wants you to do? The answer is the litmus test Test the spirits. How do you test the spirits? Are you loving one another as God so loved you, as he first loved us? Whatever spirit you're trying to test, does it have the love of Christ? Is it calling on Christ's virtues, Christ's love? If you can't love who you can see, how can you love God who you can't see? Verse twenty one. And this commandment, now he's saying it's a commandment. He's 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 sort of saying it's an example. It's a hypothetical question. It's a it's sort of a, a a gut check, testing how you are doing. Now he says, "And this commandment we have from him: whoever loves God must also love his brother." As if you didn't understand it already. He says it again, in a div- even in a different way. He's saying, look, in no uncertain terms, this is a commandment to you. You've got to love one another to have God's love abiding in you, God's love perfected in you with no fear, no pride. So that you can have confidence in Him abiding in you, in you, in Him. And if it's not, if you don't have that ability, if you're not perfecting God's love, if you're you're not continually trying to get rid of your fear, get rid of your pride, allowing Him to fully dwell in you, you're really not allowing Him to dwell in you. We must, must also love his brother. It's one thing to say, oh God, I feel so good because you live in me. But if you're not loving one another, he's not living in you. Powerful, powerful stuff. And my heart was drawn over back to First Corinthians chapter 13 this morning because that was an, that's another section of the bible that talks about love. And let's read a couple of verses out of that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, you can be a real important person, a leader, and you can speak eloquently, You may be speaking before big conventions. You may have written a book. You may be giving sermons. You may be the person that everybody comes to ask advice to. Or you may want to be that person. Or you may speak all kinds of languages and have such skill in your oration. Or even you may even speak like... Someone so good, it's almost like an angel speaking. So almost like a supernatural quality. The best of the best of the best. Even as high as an angel can speak with that kind of authority. Like as high up in heaven as you can get. Without even, just almost close to God in the way you speak. But if you don't have love in your heart, boom, you're just noise. That sets the tone. You can be a a musician playing in the church choir or playing in the church. If you don't have love in your heart, you're just playing noise, like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, like you're in a handbell choir or you're in a band band. Or you play a different instrument. And people look at you and you're sort of, quote, performing. Or you could be, quote, performing for God's glory. If you don't have love in your heart, you're just making noise. Verse 2. This is, again, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and I have all faith, As to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. Woo, look at that. If if you have super knowledge, you can be the best doctor in the world. You can be the best professor in the world. You can be the greatest scientist. You can discover the cure for cancer. You can be the best businessman in the world. You can be the greatest entrepreneur and have made a product that everybody loves. You can be powerful. You can be wealthy. You can, <coughs> maybe you've written uh, a book or created all these websites that people love. You know, all these things these days that people really respect. And you, you can understand all these mysteries. You can figure things out better than anybody. Everybody comes to you. And you can be the person in the church with all the great faith. You can be a, a prayer warrior. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. You're nothing. You don't have anything of value. You've made nothing of value. You have nothing. And in verse 3, if I give away all I have and if i deliver up my body to be burned but i have not love i gain nothing you want to be a protester you you know you want to go march on washington or different cities and and uh you know talk about different things you can say no justice no peace you can say power to the people you can say whatever you want to say You can be super charitable and set up GoFundMes, or you can give a whole bunch of stuff. You can tithe to the church. You can organize people. You can even sacrifice yourself for someone else, even to the point like your body's being burned as a martyr. You can be, you know, someone remembered by the church for all that you did. But if you don't have love in your heart, you don't gain anything for what you did. That's how fundamental love is. From 1 Corinthians 13. So, we find ourselves back in First John. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Why? Because God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. This is probably one of the hardest lessons we will ever learn. This is probably one of the greatest lessons, if not the greatest lesson in the Bible. And all of the things that we see in society today, when Pete, I was thinking about it this morning when I was preparing for this study, thinking, how can I give this study? I'm not worthy. But we have to try. We have to let God's love abide in us, and we have to love one another. That's easier said than done, folks. And you say to yourself, I can't do it. And McGee made the point. We're, he's, we're right when we say we can't do it. When somebody hits us, the natural reaction is to hit back, right? But God says, turn the other cheek. If if your enemy's thirsty, give him something to drink. It's not our natural reaction to do that. But God says, you can know this because you have my spirit. I give you my spirit to dwell in you. With God's spirit, yes, now we have the power to do that. It doesn't make sense from a human standpoint, but it's what God commands us to do from his standpoint. Why? Because God is love. We are called, we are commanded to be that physical representation of God's love in the flesh, in our flesh. We are called to be perfections of God's love, to be like him as he dwells in us. He's not dwelling in us for us not to have love. And when you see the society today, you know, yelling for no justice, no peace, well, maybe they're, it's just showing you with all our societal unrest how so many of these protesters are really protesting because they need God's love so bad, and they don't even know it to express it. Why? Well, they're protesting for justice. Well, God's the only way you're going to get justice. They're protesting for peace. God's, through Jesus Christ, that's the only way you're going to get peace on earth. It's the only way you're going to get justice on earth. And when someone strikes his brother, you know, attacks his brother, more than likely it's because they don't have love in their heart. They really want to be loved. And if they if they don't get love from someone else, they hate the other person. Hate really is the absence of love and people hate because they hate somebody or something because they're so hungry for love, they don't have it. Whatever's happening in the world today, The lesson that we have is to love. Unconditional love. Very fundamental lesson. If you don't have unconditional love for one another, you don't have God's love. How do you know? You need to test the spirits. Test your own self. Are you perfecting God's love or are you just holding on to God's love without putting it into practice? Well, God says you can't do that. If you can't love one another, you don't have my love in you at all. You don't know me. Very, very, very powerful message. And that's something that we need to all learn. So, for me to all of you, God bless you. Um, we'll end here. Normally, this is the part of the podcast I turn over to Matali, my co-host in Zambia. I believe she's still on safari uh, right now this week. So, unless I hear from her later, we'll be ending here uh, on Wednesday, and we'll continue to take up our study of First John tomorrow. So, for me to all of you. God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time.
1: Hello. So today's teaching is coming from 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 12 all the way to verse 21. Verse 12 of 1 John chapter 4 reads, No one has seen God. So, there's going to be a lot of um, arguments uh you know, based on this particular statement in verse 12 of 1 John chapter 4. And, you know, examples can be given. There's Moses who came face to face with God. Then there's Ezekiel. Then there's Daniel. But this statement basically means that, you know, when God appeared to men, to these Old Testament saints, they didn't see God because he is a spirit. And that's how we worship him. So what they saw was what is termed as a theophany. So that means God manifested himself in some form to these men, but didn't manifest himself in all of his fullness and all of his glory because God is a representation like here in the book of 1 John um in the <clears throat> in uh in the first chapter we had the definition of uh, God is light. So God manifests himself in the form of light and light is so bright in itself. Um, you know, light is brightness, it's lightness. And in itself, it also, um, you know, uh, if it shines so bright, we're unable to actually see it. So God manifests himself uh, in some form to these men, but, they di- but he didn't manifest himself in his fullness. So Jesus Christ, the son of God, who is God, you know God, the Son, is God uh, who veiled himself in the human flesh, and no man has seen God in all of his fullness, so we know we have experienced God, we know you know god um you know he he weeps, you know Jesus wept because god-, god uh he came here in uh, he manifest God manifested himself in. In the form of flesh through his son Jesus Christ, so we know um, he loves children. You know he says, you know, bring all these little children to me. So, no one has actually seen him in his fullness. Everyone has seen God um, in a particular form. So, like all the saints who actually came into contact with God. So the only way we can actually know about God as verse one, of sorry verse twelve of. First John chapter 4 goes on to read, If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. So this is the point John is actually trying to make. Um, If we love one another, God dwells in us. If we love our brethren and our sisters in Christ, you know, God dwells in us. And God today, actually this is the pivotal point of Christianity. It's about love. So God today can manifest himself through believers in loving one another. And the world sees this. So if as believers we love one another, you know, God indwells in us and he manifests in us. And, you know, today the world we're living in, it's, it's, it's a mean, bad, wicked world. And if this is seen, you know, other non-believers actually see this, manifest, uh, see this love for one another, you know, manifested in us. <clears throat> um only then can they see you know the um, and know that actually god exists so sinners don't know about god's love at all you know for christians sorry for people who you know who don't believe in in god and don't trust in god they don't know what love is what true love is what actual love is so god even had to show his love for us on the cross when christ died for us that is love and he did this by you know, the Holy Spirit, that love of God, you know, shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that's given to us, so Christ died for us while we were sinners, it's not that we got saved and we got pure and got good and all, he died for us because he loved us, you know, we were sinners and bad and and he died, he died for us and, you know, For trespasses, we were dead in sin. And this is the only way we can actually know about it. So today in the world, there are too many people who are actually concerned about what others think. You know, they want the world to love them. They're concerned about what others think. And they are trying to actually please the world and everyone else around them today. And they are not trying to actually get the word of God out to witness to the world. So the world is trying to get love, you know, the wrong way as sinners and uh, you know they don't know what the love of god is you know that dying on the cross for us that's love they don't know what the love of god is and they turn to worldly pleasures so you know people turn and seek to feel loved and to feel belong belonging um you know based on worldly pleasures so we don't know how wonderful i don't know how wonderful how you know the extent of, you know how wonderful God is, you know no man actually has seen God at any time, but He can be manifested in us if we actually, actually, um, love one another. By, you know, by the love for one another, it, this is the only way we are actually going to know about God. So Scripture goes on to read in verse thirteen. It reads. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us his Holy Spirit. So God has given us his Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is within us. It indwells us. You know, the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, goodness, self-control, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And love actually heads the list. It's like The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So there's joy, there's peace, long-suffering. It comes out of love. Um, You know, all these other fruits, they stem out of love. So this is not, you know, a human kind of love when, you know, you are actually indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You get to experience this and manifest this kind of love to the world. So God loves, God's love is perfected and it's developed in us. It's a growth in us. You know, scripture goes, let me just read that again. It says, by this we know that that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Verse 14, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world. So here, this is the gospel witness, the message that we have to actually give. You know, the purpose of our love, Christian love is not, you know, talking about sexual love or sentimental love or social love. It's something that is revealed when we take Christ, you know, to, to sinners. Um, that's the focal point of our message. When we take this message to sinners, this is how our love is actually manifested today. So here it says, when we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as the savior of the world verse 15 goes on to read whoever confesses that jesus is the son of god god abides in him and he in god so here this is where we actually begin with him with god so the virgin birth that's where we begin from this is very important and he is you know who he is who he claims to be if you actually deny like the virgin birth and the resurrection, you you know you deny the virgin birth. Um, you deny God. You, he doesn't abide in you. So the virgin birth is important. Um, a lot of emphasis is placed on his death and resurrection during Easter and all, but emphasis should also be placed on his birth as well. So he is who he claims to be, that he is the son of God, and God dwells in him, and he is... And he, sorry, in God. So that's where it all begins from. And if we hear His voice and believe in Him, we will be saved. Verse sixteen goes on to read, and we know, sorry, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in. Love abides in God and God in Him, so you can't say you actually love God and you're his child and you hate the brethren down here. No, that's hypocrisy. you don't love God. you have how can you love some someone or something you haven't seen uh, and not love someone or something that you have actually seen? So you know you have to love your brethren. And love God. So you can't be pretending to be this Christian who says, Oh, you know, I hate this and this person, but I love God. I'm a Christian. That doesn't work. So, you know, here we have the definition of God. You know, um, that's in verse 16. And this is the second time that uh, this this definition of God is being given here. God is love. And he who abides in um, love abides in God and God in him. Uh, we had the first definition of God is love in first John four eight, and then now we have it in um four sixteen. So they give the definition of God is love. Verse 17 goes on to read: Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because he is. Oh, sorry, because as he is, so we are in this world. So our love is made complete, perfected, complete. So if we love God and Jesus Christ and love one another as brethren and sisters in the faith, this will actually give us that, you know, confidence, the boldness we, uh, that we won't have any fear on judgment day because we are in Christ. And accepted in the beloved. So let us spread the love. Let us love one another. The brethren. Then we'll be indwelt in Christ. Because the whole, you know, the fruit of the spirit. It all stems off. It all starts with love. Love one another. And we were given a commandment by God. This is a commandment to love one another. Verse 18 goes on to read. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love so here a child of god doesn't need to actually fear the day of judgment if you're a child of god you have and you know you have love in you and love for the brethren um you you're gonna have that assurance um you know you won't fear any judgment that's coming as it was all settled when christ actually died for us so he was that perfect sacrifice that lamb that died on the cross for our sins you know the lamb with no blemish so here it's it goes on to read um that's in verse 18 but he who fears has not been made perfect in love so joy actually stems from love you know the fruits of the spirit love joy peace so joy stems from from love peace stems from love and if you have love for the lord jesus christ and god and your brethren then fear has been cast out you know we won't have any doubts and uh, verse 19 scripture goes on to read we love him because he first loved us so he loved us when we were not lovable so um you know, when we're not even worth loving. So the Lamb is worthy of all our love and devotion and service. Verse 20 goes on to read, If someone says, I love God and hate, and hates his brother, he is a liar. Paul, John is saying this. You know, you're a liar. You're a hypocrite. If you say, I love God. You know, you know, Christine, Christ doesn't even indulge in him. So you can't love God. Who you haven't seen and hate your brethren who you have seen. This is hypocrisy. So it goes on. Scripture goes on to read. And let's say in verse twenty. He who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? Verse twenty one goes on to read. And this commandment we have from Him that he who loves God must love his brother also so this is a commandment that um the lord jesus christ gave and he didn't you know he 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 didn't ask us if we actually felt like we actually wanted to love our brethren he actually commanded us to love our brethren so this has been a very good teaching um you know on love loving our brethren it's not easy because we're human and we're not perfect but we have been commanded to love our brethren and only then if we love our brethren can we um you know know God's love for us so this was today's teaching thank you all for listening in god bless you all and have a pleasant day bye bye